Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We're really glad that you picked this podcast to listen to of the many options that you have. As usual, we want to know what you think because we do this as a resource to encourage and challenge and pour into you, the student ministry leader. So let us know what you think. If you have a topic you want us to cover, say it in the comments when you are fulfilling the gift of kindness by leaving a rating and review. We would uh, we would love to hear that. It helps other people find the podcast as well. So if you do that, that'd be awesome. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, alongside the always wonderful producer, Nathan. Well, thank you. That's very kind. Yeah, How's it going? Man, it's, it is uh, it is a truthful statement. It's good, well, man. Uh, how yeah. are you have started refing? I have. Are running. You are off and and off and running. wearing the black and white. I am. It is. It's been good. I always enjoy like the start of the season, the anticipation building up to it, at least for me. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I guess I, it may sound weird, but I enjoy being on the field as much as like I think some of the players enjoy like playing the game itself, but so it's going to be a ton of fun to be. It's just something special about under the lights on a Friday night and it's man, it's fun. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I know our audience, uh, there are many who are anticipating the beginning of that season too, because Friday nights, Thursday nights for JV in some places, Mm -hmm. Monday or Tuesday for junior high games. Like there are a lot of opportunities to connect with, families and mm-hmm. students in your ministry through those environments. So that's a good thing that's starting up. Uh, where we are in Nashville, uh, we have school underway. It has officially begun. I know the far coasts will start probably in about a month at the, the recording of this, maybe a little bit after Labor Day or close to that. Um, student ministry people, you are probably really excited to get back into a routine school starting, normalcy, summer is ending, and all of those are good things about student ministry. And you're probably thinking a lot about what you're going to be teaching this fall as you plan and prepare and pray for the messages and the teaching and the small groups and the content that you are going to be walking through from now through the at least the end of the semester. And so it's perfect timing to have our guest on today. We are really, really excited about this conversation, a new book that's come out that I think would really help you think about the way that you teach and approach student ministry this fall. So we're going to encourage you to get that. We're going to talk a little bit about the book. But before we get that, I want to introduce you to Ronnie Kurtz. He is a PhD from Midwestern Theological Seminary. He's an assistant professor of theology at Cedarville University. Uh, Before moving to Ohio, Ronnie was a pastor in Kansas City, Missouri for seven years, where he also taught theology at Midwestern and Spurgeon College. He's also the author of No Shadow of Turning and Divine Immutability and the Economy of Redemption. The most recent book that we're going to be talking about today is Fruitful Theology. And so, Ronnie, we're glad to have you. Thanks for making time for us today. Absolutely. It's a joy to be with you all. I uh, uh, value what you guys do here, and, and you, have a, you have a great show, so it's an honor to be here. Man, thank you for saying that. We, uh, you are, being a professor at, at Cedarville, you are about to welcome students back, right? So you're getting right. into this launch season as well. When do you guys kick off? Yeah, we... Uh, Professors, really, it was Monday for us. This this actual okay. week here, we're kind of all back in the office, coming back from whatever professors do during the summer. We're all kind of wiping <laughs> our eyes off and showing back. You up write to work. books. That's what. That's you, right. That's, what you that's do. right. Yeah. Well, the students come back uh, about a week from now, so we actually have about 
just over 1,100 incoming freshmen here at Cedarville. And so nice. I'm, I'm eager to get these, the new freshmen here and kind of get the, the energy. You know, the students are the life of the campus. Yeah. It's just dead without them. So eager to kind of feel that buzz and the energy back with them here. That's awesome. Well, we are somewhat familiar with Cedarville. We do some camp there. You guys have been really gracious hosts in the summer. We love doing camp at Cedarville. I've had some students throughout the years uh, as they've graduated out of ministries I've led end up at Cedarville. So, Oh, that's awesome. uh, Yeah. A lot of, a lot of connection there. Well, I'd love for you to talk about, uh, you were mentioning right before we, we hit record, um, that you have a really cool, unique relationship with student ministry and an impact in your life. So I'd love you to just share about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, this is one of the reasons I say I value what you guys do here. As far as I know, uh, I'm the first Christian in my immediate family. I think there was some some residue of faith in my extended family, but uh, I did not grow up in a Christian household at all. Um, the gospel wasn't really a part of our rhythms in any, any meaningful way. And during high school, I moved from St. Louis, Missouri, which is my hometown, to a real small rural town in, in southern Missouri, kind of outside Springfield, Missouri. And uh, during those high school years, I kind of felt a little bit like an outcast because I was a city boy in a rural town and mm. just didn't quite know where I was going to fit in. Well, long story short, I had a friend who was in a similar situation, moved from a city to this town, and uh, we connected. And I decided to go to his house one night. And when I got there, he said, hey, by the way, on Wednesdays, I go to church. And I had never been to church in my whole life, not not a single time. The, yeah. the closest I had ever gotten to going to church was I, I grew up skateboarding and I had skateboarded at a couple of churches. That was the closest I ever got to attending. <laughs> you probably uh, got run off from, from that's right. yes. the property I'm, a little. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and so uh, I attended with my friend and I always thought Christians were a touch strange, to be honest. And the pastor that night ended up preaching uh, God's request of Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And I remember reading that mm. thinking, oh, they're even stranger than I thought they were. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. Uh, during that sermon, the pastor, um, as the ram comes out of the thicket in that story, as you as you can recall, um, Abraham sacrifices the ram as opposed to Isaac. The, the pastor, the youth pastor explained kind of Jesus as the final ultimate sacrifice. And I remember at one point in the night, I can't remember exactly what was being said, but I remember thinking, I think I believe this guy. Hmm. Like, I don't know why I believe him, but I think I believe what he's saying. And so that night after he preached, uh, my first time ever at a youth group uh, in, in any kind of student ministry at all, I went up to him and said, hey, my name is Ronnie. This is kind of my story. I, I don't know what's happening right now, but I showed up here not believing what you said. And I think I might be believing in what you said. So we went to Dairy Queen. He asked me a few questions, and I'm pretty confident I left that Dairy Queen that night a Christian. Um, so that that's kind of my segue into into ministry. He ended up mentoring me throughout the rest of my student ministry. I felt called to ministry through his tutelage, and uh, yeah, he's he's the one who kind of sent me on my way. And I found academic ministry through that, but uh, it was really just his faithful Wednesday night proclamations of the word that I the Lord used to convert me. So very much value student ministers and and kind of what happens on a week to week basis in student ministry. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. What town was, do you mind me asking? Yeah, it was Buffalo, Missouri. 
Buffalo, Missouri. So it's okay. close to Bolivar. If you're familiar, it's in between Bolivar and Lebanon. So it's yeah, it's I'm a real small Bolivar. town. Yeah. Okay. Man, Nathan, that's like you know we talk about uh, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's just I mean Sunday. It's true for adults. It's it's true in any spiritual environment, absolutely. But we talk so much in student ministry about you never know when that kid is going to stroll in in Buffalo, Missouri or wherever you are. That's right. And that's the moment that God decides to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to open your heart to what you're hearing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's man, such a crucial. And that moment is going to happen in student ministries on Wednesday nights. Now, like Mm -hmm. this week, every week, it's happened at summer camp. So that's, man, that's an awesome story that student pastors, you, you might be tired at the end of a long summer and you're trying to muster up some type of inner strength to make it through mm. back to school and launch in the fall. And I hope that that story is an encouragement to you not to continue mustering up your own inner strength to make it to make it through but as a reminder that the Holy Spirit is always moving and that any moment could be the moment of salvation for some, right. for somebody. Amen. Uh, Ronnie, I do want to ask you about this, the, the book. So fruitful theology is the title, how the life of the mind leads to the life of the soul is the subtitle. Yeah. And I want to start there. Uh, I want to start with the, the, to me, that was a very unique subtitle. Uh, I want to start with how you define that. And I think that subtitle kind of leads into why you wrote the book. And so uh, I'd love for you to kind of break that down for us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, that that subtitle, um, you know, every subtitle should be important, of course, but that that subtitle was pretty important to me. I, so, you know, kind of picking up from the conversion story, um, I found in theology pretty early on, just, you know, not having any kind of training in thinking about who God is and what he's doing. Um, First, theology was pretty intimidating to me, of course. Mm. There was just so much that I didn't know and so much that I didn't know that I didn't know. And But what I found was the more that I had a clear picture of who God is and what he's doing, it wasn't just forming of my intellectual life, it was forming in my soul. And I found there was a direct relationship between what I thought about God and the love I had for God. So uh, Jen Wilkin uh, says it this way. She says, your heart can't love what your mind doesn't know. Mm. And I found it to be really true for me. Uh, There was a direct correlation between my affection for the Lord and my contemplation of the Lord. And so that kind of started a lifelong journey of thinking about God, you know, all the way to, you know, doing a PhD and, and now teaching. Yeah. But uh, even today, there's still a deep connection between my affection and my thought life. And that's kind of what I wanted to get at in this book. So I really, when I was working on the kind of the idea for the book, I had two people in mind. And this might help showcase what I'm getting at in the, in the subtitle there. But the two people I had in mind were first... Those who uh, maybe view theology as a touch inaccessible, they mm. thought, you know, they might think that this is this is somewhat cold, it's somewhat stale, it's done, it's reserved for a certain type of people at a certain kind of institution, and it's just not quite for me. So I wanted to invite them into the conversation because 
they might not know it, but uh, they are theologians. We are all theologians, of course. Anyone who has thoughts about God is a theologian. And so I wanted to bring that reader in. And then the second reader, and maybe more predominantly in the book, the second group of people I had in mind are those who just feel um, a touch discouraged about how theological discourse takes place today. It's not difficult to find someone who claims the title theologian being arrogant or self-platforming or pursuing the applause of man or uh, driving division in the local church. And the more I read scripture, the more I just saw that that just should not be. And so I wanted to kind of, as you know, even in a small way, swim upstream from a culture of using theology to simply win culture wars, to move from that to, to more of an understanding of theology that's person forming or soul forming. Mm. And so all I did, it wasn't really a brilliant idea, to be totally frank with you. All I did was I worked through the, the nine virtues that make up the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5 and show how a deep contemplation of God and all things in relation to God can lead to those things. So contemplating God in the right way can lead to love. Contemplating God in the right way can lead to patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness, which are sadly not words people may think of when they think of theologians these days. Um, yeah. In fact, and in Galatians Christians 5, in general in some... Yes, that's right. To some degree. Yes. In, in, in Galatians 5... Not only does Paul list the fruit of the spirit, but he also lists the works of the flesh. And it struck me when I was kind of outlining the book that some of the some of the adjectives used and verbs used in the works of the flesh are a little more defining of theology today. There, there are things like outburst of anger, jealousy, strife, division, envy, um, selfish ambition. Those are all listed in the works of the flesh. And so it kind of became a kind of a convicting diagnostic question of, does your thought life reflect more the fruit of the spirit or the work of the flesh uh, using Galatians 5 there? Man, I have so many questions. I want to <laughs> start. I want to start with this one because I do, I do see and am someone who has found myself in the place of discouragement in seeing how it's used and seeing uh, you, you phrased it as to win the culture war. Certainly we, there's a place for Christians in culture. We have to be in culture there, there we have to take place in public, take participate in, in public discourse and things like that. I would love to hear you. Well, I'll say it this way in my own observation, uh, I feel like I see a desire to be right more than anything else. Yeah. And so I would love to hear how you would handle the topic of being right versus being in relationship. Yes. And, and the, because there are moments where as God's people, we stand for truth and we speak that truth and, by speaking the truth, there are going to be people who break relationship with us. That is a real a reality. But on the other hand, if I'm hearing what you're saying about using theology to win culture wars, maybe we have a 
Christian culture that's building that is is more concerned with being right than being in relationship. It's a hypothesis I have. I'd love to hear you respond to that. Yeah, you know, I uh, sadly I, I don't think you're wrong in your diagnosis. I think there is reason right now to look out at the the landscape that is theological conversation and be just a touch disappointed. It seems like there are brothers and sisters who are very set on establishing a name for themselves at the at the sacrifice of other brothers and sisters or or you know pick pick whatever poison you'd like in the first chapter the first chapter of the book is called why do the theologians rage mm-hmm. and i i basically work through four or five ways i see today theology being misused and um and, and that was four or five of 10 that I could have written about. I mean, there's just so many ways we see exactly what you're saying, that the deep desire to be right over the desire to love your neighbor. Now, what we know from a balanced and kind of stable, reasonable Christian worldview is exactly what you said. We do not have to dichotomize these things. We do not have to pick in the Christian life being theologically precise in being kind. We just don't have to do that. And in fact, I think we would be really blessed by a generation of student leaders for themselves and for their their students just saying, I'm not going to choose. I am going to both work towards theological precision uh, and a deep love of neighbor and self and of the Lord, yeah. of course. And so, so to answer your question, I think there's a reason Jesus talks about truth and love, yeah. right? We have to, as you said, we have to be convictional people. Uh, the thing that we call Christianity, the gospel, uh, I, I define theology in line with a lot of, of um, historic reflections as the, the the task of contemplating God and all things in relation to God. So that's kind of how I define theology. We can't give that up. It's just too beautiful. There's too much joy in contemplating God and all things in relation to God. And in fact, there are wrong ways to do that. And we should say so. We should Mm. say, hey, the Bible is true and authoritative and sufficient. And therefore, we should believe it and not be embarrassed by it one bit. And that should lead us to love our neighbor, not want to attack our neighbor. That should lead us to, of course, want to influence culture, but not to own culture or whatever is happening on social media these days. Um, Those two things just go hand in hand. And I think what we need is a, is a generation of folks who have um, what, what Russell Moore calls convictional kindness uh, and what I call uh, an informed kindness and a kindness that has roots. And what's amazing about a kindness that has roots and by roots, I mean roots in, the word roots in scripture and in theology right. is it's so much um, less wavering than a kindness that's just bombastic or a or a, uh, a theology that's just bombastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, when you look at when you look across the spectrum of theological conversations, and you see those folks who are feel like they have to be the loudest in the room, feel like they always have to be bashing somebody. There's typically quite a bit of a instability there and personally. And those who pursue kind of a stable, reasonable, nuanced, rooted life, 
uh, have a stability they can work from that doesn't make them freak out every time the culture disagrees with them. So they can speak to culture from a place of theological stability, which is way more healthy in my opinion. Yeah. You talk about uh, earlier in, in wrapped up in the subtitle and your approach in the book is more of a life focused, a personal life focused study of theology that as I contemplate God, learn about him and his actions, then that is going to lead me towards love and patience and kindness and goodness and exhibiting the fruit of the spirit more in my life, more in life. Uh, one of the statements that I always remember from, and I won't get it exactly right, but the concept I remember from my own theology class in, uh, in seminary, uh, Wayne Grudem wrote about how the right study of theology will always lead us to greater obedience and greater worship and greater love love for God. And so I want to take what you've talked about in a that personal pursuit of theology. We can't love what we don't know, as you yeah. mentioned, Jen Wilkins said. How would you encourage student pastors to not for ministry improvement, though it will lead to that, not for sermon improvement, though it will lead to that. But how would you encourage them to dive into studying theology at a personal level to do exactly what you've talked about? Man, I love this question. I, I think this is a really important question for student pastors to think about and just for, for Christians in general. One of the things that uh, I hope to show in the book is that I think we can gloss over the first word and the phrase uh, uh, spiritual fruit. The, the fruits of the spirit are exactly that. These are of the spirit. And one of the reasons I don't think theological theology is merely an intellectual exercise is because it's a spiritual exercise. We cannot separate um, our minds, our hearts, and our hands when we go about doing theology. So you're right. Thinking about theology will indeed have some kind of practical impact. I say it in the book this way, something like um, a head full of truth will lead to a heart full of love and hands full of care. It just will right? It mm -hmm. will impact your ministry. However, it does do something on an individual level because it's spiritual, right? It can help you um, become a more rooted individual. And I think that's a really important ingredient in successful student ministry today. Um, so kind of knowing that I'm answering the question towards the individual student minister who, that is going to impact the way they perform in their job, I would just say one of the things I needed the most as a student, uh, and I got this by the grace of God, is I just needed someone who was stable in my life, mm. who was not constantly worrying, constantly freaking out, constantly, you know, uber zealous about this thing and then that thing and then that thing. I just needed, I needed someone to be stable because mm. you guys know students, students really lack stability often. Yes. And um, having someone who's stable, even just their presence, forget, I mean, put to the side their preaching and their ministry um, platforms or whatever kind of programs they have in the local church for youth ministry, a stable presence can be life-changing for students. Just someone who is rooted in, in themselves has some kind of stability. So I would just encourage, um, I would encourage youth leaders with this. The most practical thing you can do for ministry is get a bigger eyeful of God. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything more practical you can do there. A clearer vision of who God is and what he is doing in your own soul, in your own mind's eye, is the most practical thing you can possibly have. It will change the way you think, the way you love, and the way you serve. And so I would say, yeah, theology is not the end in itself. Uh, What we are after in theology is God. He's the reward. He's the prize. Theology can be a very helpful tool to get an eye full of the Lord. And in that way, I think it's a really worthwhile enterprise for any student leader or any student pastor to, to go after, to get that eye full of the glory of God. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and this is, this is a fun conversation for me because as a student pastor, this line of thinking, though you articulate it much better than I did, uh, (laughs) 10 years ago, but, uh, this way of thinking about ministry has been a staple and mark of student ministries that I've led over the years. So I'm so thankful that you're, that you're saying these things, others are saying these things and pointing people back like this is this is the skeletal structure. The backbone of of a person's faith has yeah. to be has to be in who God is and discovering more of that. Um, Lifeway is is involved in uh, research projects that are kind of always going on uh, in 2020 biennial state of theology study from Lifeway Research revealed that 54 percent of Americans say that theological beliefs are not a matter of objective truth, but rather are based on subjective personal opinion. Uh, we see this in that this is running rampant in mm-hmm. the lives of teenagers right now, as they observe everything that's going on in the world, as they have access more than ever before to various voices, beliefs, thoughts of people that they follow, uh, they have a gumbo of belief systems being thrown at them uh, all the time. How do we as uh, leaders in student ministry help students see that the Bible is not personal opinion? Yeah. That, that, that it is not a subjective thing because I, to me, that's one of the roots of the issue, right? Like once I believe that this is objective truth from God, then that is the beginning of, oh, now I see all of these things in a much different way. Yep. Yeah, that that is such an important question. Um, especially, I think it's an important question for everybody, but especially for student ministers, because you're exactly right. Um, we are being bombarded by lies all the time, but I feel like students are particularly being bombarded by lies. Just the amount of media consumption that is happening uh, at a younger and younger age, the kind of catechism the world is giving to students um, is not historic Christian catechism, of course. <laughs> and so you're, you're exactly right that there is something important here about even just the question of objectivity. I'd say two things to answer your question. One, I really think we need to, to win back a working category of beauty in theology. And the reason I think that is because often, especially with students, helping students see that doctrine is right is a very noble task, something that should be done. Helping students see that doctrine is not only right, but beautiful is altogether different. And 
what I'm learning, even with just, you know, my incoming freshmen who are, you know, they're 18, 19 years old is often when I point out, when I make a logical argument for the correctness of a doctrine, they they're following me. Like the intellect is there. They understanding the logic. But when I break from, okay, that's, that's true. Now, why is it beautiful? Why does that demonstrate the beauty of this thing we call Christianity? Hmm. If I can start getting students' minds kind of get the gears going there, it's pretty fascinating to see what they come up with on their own, right? So there are there are ways to use theology in which you can say, this is right and make it a hammer and just smash people with it. And that's one option that's being used by a lot of people. And that's, you know, teach their own, I guess. <laughs> but for me, um, I want to show people that an abandonment of what we call orthodoxy is actually an abandonment of joy. Uh, to leave the historic Christ- Christian tradition is actually to leave a lot of joy on the field. And I want to make the case for that, not just the correctness of the thing, but the beauty of the thing. The second thing I would say, um, and I do, I, I talk about that in the book quite a bit. So that's, that's kind of all over it. The second one's not as prevalent in the book, but I do think it matters for your question is there's a, there's a popular theologian at uh, Trinity Evangelical named Kevin Van Hooser, who, who you may have heard of or may not, but he has this, he talks about theology being useful to become what he calls an administer of reality. And I just love this phrase. Um, often what I do in my, in my job I will have a student come into my office whose world is just on fire. Like relationships are on fire. Their grades are on fire. They're, you know, they think they have the worst professors in the world and the worst RD in the world and their parents are terrible. And it's like, is anything not on fire right now? And what's often happening, not always, some, some students are really struggling and you should have the wisdom to know the difference. Um, What's often happening is a student is just bathing and lies. Mm. And the lies are so convincing that they have convinced themselves there is no hope for them. And often my job as a professor of young undergraduate students is just to simply listen, to make sure they are heard and seen, and to slowly strip away the lies and administer in their place reality. And I think theology becomes a really helpful tool in this task of administering reality in the lives of students. Um, what that looks like could look like a thousand different things, of course. Yeah. But it's hard to administer reality if you yourself are not living in what is real and true. And I think scripture and theology is what gets us there. Man, that is, uh, I, I think there are going to be a lot of student pastors and youth leaders that are listening to this that steal that phrase. Good. It's uh, not mine. So go for it. it. <laughs> <laughs> because that is, uh, especially in our time right now, that phrase encapsulates a lot of what I think effective, healthy student ministries are trying to do is to administer, Absolutely. to administer reality. And in a, kind and loving way that ports points people towards the beauty of God. I love how you talked about, yes, there's a rightness, but also 
there's a beauty and the, the, I wrote down the abandonment of orthodoxy is the abandonment of joy. That's right. Uh, and Nathan, man, we see that. We mm-hmm. see that clearly. Like you can yes. see it on people when they have, when it's been abandoned and yeah. there, yep. there is a rightness only and not also a beauty of, of God and how this thing makes Christianity, this beautiful thing that we get to participate in. Uh, the book is called Fruitful Theology. Uh, Ronnie, thank you for joining us today. Ronnie Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z, in case you're searching for that for a place to buy it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, that, may be a good, uh, that may be a good opportunity for you guys. I know several youth pastors that I've talked to you and you go through some type of training with your small group leaders and things over the course of the fall. This would be a good option for you to read and Uh, maybe buy this book for your leaders, distill it into portions that you can send out to them or use in training for them to help them catch a hold of uh, what Ronnie's writing in this book. Ronnie, thank you again, man. It's always good to talk with a fellow St. Louis Cardinals fan. Hey, So I'm always, always willing to do that. That's right. (laughs) I just, we just lost a lot of listeners right there. (laughs) No, we did. And that's okay. They're used to it. They're used to us talking about it. They're leaving joy on the field, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Producer Nathan and I will be right back after this short message. So don't go anywhere. Hey, I want to take just a second to talk to you about, you guessed it, Ronnie Kurtz's book, Fruitful Theology. I know we talked about it in the podcast just a minute ago, but I did want to carve out a specific moment to say how much I think this book will help you in your ministry, you personally, perhaps you might even be in a dry moment in your faith. Yes, that happens to leaders too. This, I believe, is a book that could really recenter you, refocus you, be a refreshing moment. And I do think it's something that you can use to pour into your leaders that you serve and recruit to be in ministry alongside you. Additionally, if you have a leadership team of students, this could be a book that you guys walk through in order to fully, uh, more intentionally develop those students to have a more full view of who God is and how theology can impact their life. So once again, the book is Fruitful Theology, How the Life of the Mind Leads to the Life of the Soul. So I hope you check out that book from Ronnie Kurtz. Nathan. Yes, sir. What do you think, man? What are you walking away with today? There was man, there was a lot in this one. There was. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. This is uh man, this is right up like my alley and student ministries stuff anyway. Uh, but what are you what are you walking away with? Yeah, same. Uh I do love I do love theology and I think I love the subtitle of his book there um, just about because I've very much experienced that in my own life of just the deeper I went into kind of studying theology through seminary, the more I fell in love with how and then how he said at the end, like the beauty of God, like it just, it you know, it just really, I think, opened up. It really helped helped the depth of my faith, those those kind of things. So uh, really enjoyed how really liked how he said that. And then to right there at the end um, when he was talking about just how theology can help strip away the lies of the world and remind us of the the truthfulness of scripture of who God really is. And I think that's just so important. Like you mentioned, like he mentioned uh, for students today that really 
it is easy, I think, for – well, it's easy for even us who I think are more seasoned to sometimes believe the lies that we hear um, yeah. and, and to forget to go back to the truth of Scripture, to go back to, oh, well, this is, you know, not 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 just theology, but the, the truth that comes from that and to be reminded of, oh, this is the beauty of God. At least for me, it helps me fall, you know, more in love with God and closer to Him. So, yeah. Man, I love that question. Uh, how does it make – why is it beautiful is the mm-hmm. question that he that he asked. I had to look at my notes for a second. But why is it beautiful? Uh, that is a question that I'm going to take and and use with my 11th grade guys on mm-hmm. Sunday mornings on a consistent basis uh, over the course of this next year as I as I spend time with them. Um, I think it's such a good question to cause them to think, cause people to think differently about what they're learning and what they're taking in because so often we do go to the logical and we go to the very practical and -hmm. I think that's necessary, but also alongside that question is a really, really cool approach. Uh, One of the things that stood out to me um, is just the idea of abandonment of orthodoxy is the abandonment of joy Mm -hmm. and that our joy as believers are linked to, uh, our knowledge of God, our growing knowledge of God mm-hmm. and who he is and how he interacts with us in the world. Uh, this study of theology is linked to those things. The lack of that is what leads us into the lies, is what, is a, mm-hmm. a, what allows those lies about our lives and, and, and the world to creep in. And so, man, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I'm really thinking there's going to be a lot that I, I continue to ponder mm-hmm. about, about this conversation. Uh, I know, I know that there are people listening to this and Billy, I was, I was there and I've been in and out of that posture as a leader, but there are, there are people listening to this, that it's been a while since you've really studied theology for yourself. It's been a while since you've expanded your mind in those areas. You've expanded your mind in other things. Mm -hmm. You've developed yourself in other areas, but this one has kind of been put on the on the back burner. And like I said, I've gone in and out of that posture. But maybe this moment is a moment to kind of re-engage with that and re-engage with the renewing of our minds mm-hmm. to lead us back more closely into the beauty of God and the joy that he has for us. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ronnie Kurtz. I hope you check out his book, Fruitful Theology. Producer Nathan and I will see you next time. Have a great week, everybody.